Welcome to the Grace Harbor Church Sermon Podcast. Grace Harbor Church is located in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. For more information, visit our website at ghokc.com. Amen. If you would stay standing, um, we are going to read God's Word together. We are in the book of Ephesians this morning. Um, So if you have one of those Bibles, uh, one of those black back Bibles in the seats in front of you, we are on page 977 this morning. So if you want to turn there, 977. Morning, Grace Harbor. Okay, Ephesians 4, verses 1 through 6. It says, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called, with all humility and gentleness and patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Amen. Can we pray again? Is that okay that we just prayed and we can pray again? We can do that, right? That's good. Father, thank you again for your word. Um, Father, I pray that what we hear this morning, um, we see this, um, we believe it as your word, not ours. Um, We trust in it because it is yours. And so, Father, would you um, show us what it says? Would you, Spirit, please illuminate our eyes and our hearts um, to see what it is? And, Father, would you help us to believe it and, uh, and shape who we are? We know that your word is living and active. And so would you change us by what we hear um, and what you show us this morning? It's in Jesus' name that we pray, amen. All right, thank you. You can be seated. Thank you, Leanne, for reading uh, this morning. Um, If you haven't noticed, we are not in Matthew this morning. We are taking a week away from Matthew. Uh, Pastor Nathan um, is away on vacation and he he is just in the depths of the Lord's Prayer right now. And so he is gonna continue on when we get back. Um, with that series. Um, we're gonna take just a step out of Matthew this week and step into Ephesians. I hope you're okay with that. If you're not, there's probably a lot of churches around here um, that are preaching as well, but I hope to stay. That's a joke. Um, Ephesians 4. Um, I I've, I've, was asked several times this week by different people, you know, why, why Ephesians 4? Um, you know, we're stepping out of Matthew, but why did you pick this in particular book passage um, to be our passage for this week. And can I tell you, I, I struggle sometimes choosing a passage um, to preach out of whenever we're stepping out of a series. That's one of the harder things for me is deciding where we're going to land. Um, but what I see in our church right now um, is something amazing. Um, even though there is, uh, there's lots of things in our world right now that, that are wanting to divide people um, that, are, that, are, that are trying its very hardest um, to, to split people of what they believe um, of what unites them together. There's chaos all around us, right? So many things doing this. But the church should be this place, these people that are not divided by different things, that stand unified, that stand unified together, despite our differences, despite things that are going on in the world, despite our uh, different opinions on things. So that just kind of brought me, brought me to Ephesians. And I love the book of Ephesians, 
Um, love, love, love the book of Ephesians. If you've not read the entire book, it's six chapters. Go read it sometime. Um, go read it today if you have time. Um, it's a great book. Um, so there, there's lots of things causing division, but the church, what we want to look at today, that the church should not be one of those places. It should not be a people group that are divided. It should stand in unity together. And so this morning, what I hope to accomplish is to present what unifies us as a body of believers, how we are to live in unity with one another, and what holds us together in unity, okay? That's where we're going this morning. So Ephesians chapter four, um, let's, 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 let's start here at, at, at verse one. So walk, it says, it says, Paul says, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. Now, something jumps off the page at me uh, whenever I read that first verse, and it's a question. He says, walk in a way that is worthy of your calling. Walk in a manner worthy of your calling. So that begs the question, what is my calling? What is our calling? Paul's writing to a group of believers here. He says, he says you church, walk in a manner worthy of your calling. So what is our calling? And I think before we get too far into Ephesians 4, we actually have to look back. We're not gonna be preaching the whole book of Ephesians 1 through 6 this morning, although that might be a good book for us to go through at some point. But Ephesians 1, let's look back to this real quick. Ephesians 1, starting in verse 3, we're gonna read just a little bit here to kind of get an idea of what Paul's talking about in this particular calling. Ephesians 1, starting in verse 3, it says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved." In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In him, we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. Amen. Hey, that's all, I know that's, that's lengthy just to read all at once and we're not, we're not preaching that section today, but what we wanna gather from this right here is what our true calling is from God. And that's this. Paul spends a good, well, let me talk about this. Paul spends a good amount of time in the first part of this letter explaining how Jesus came to preach peace to those who are near and to those who are far off, Okay preaching peace to both those who are near and to those who are far off. Meaning us, Gentiles, you and I, Gentiles, are welcomed into the family of God because of what Jesus has done for us, breaking down 
the wall of hostility, making peace by the blood of his cross. So, Ephesians 1, what God has done for us in this calling, what God has done for those who have believed is he has called us into peace with him in his family of God. And here in chapter one, he shows us that our calling is that we've been brought into the family of God, chosen and adopted. Adopted. Don't you love that word? Don't you love that idea, adoption? I mean, I do. I love that word. Don't you? Can I? Yes, yes. Okay, adoption. It's a good thing. It's a good thing. Hey, we actually have multiple families within our church who have experienced the act and, and process of adoption. There's several families, um, even in this room, who have experienced that. And if you, if you don't, if you haven't experienced that, you probably know somebody who's experienced the process of adoption in some way. It's a beautiful thing, right? And, and each time, each time I've seen adoption take place, here's, here's kind of how it plays out, okay? Someone by no act of their own is brought into a family because those doing the adopting choose to love them regardless of their situation, regardless of their background, regardless of who they are, where they came from. They choose to adopt them, bringing them into their situation. They promise to give them a home, they promise to take care of them, and they promise to love them, right? It's a beautiful thing. But more than that, I love this about adoption. More than that, they give them something of incredible value. They give them their name. Have you ever, have you ever thought about that? I've, I've, I've been able to witness, you know, the Brewers um, have, have adopted um, two of their children. And they know that. You don't have to keep that a secret from them. Um, but they've adopted two of their children. And I was able to go to the court um, when whenever this proceeding was going on. It's not one of those court cases, you know, usually you walk into court um, or see court cases on TV and it's like, it's a very serious, dramatic moment. You know, there's just this, this angst in the room. No, adoption hearings, when, when it's finalized, is so cool because when you walk in, you get to be with all these families in there who have come to witness what's happening. And when everything is kind of concluded, the judge turns to these parents and to the family members and his family that is doing the adopting. And he turns to them and he says, now family, these kids here are now yours. And with that, you carry the responsibility because they now carry your name. You are giving them entrance into your family. And so now they are not orphans any longer. They're yours. They belong to you. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? Someone who is, who is not belonging to anybody, who is, who is an orphan, is now brought in, accepted, and given a name and is accepted into a new family. And because of that, these parents call them their own. Isn't that what God has done for us? and adoption and calling us into the family of God and adopting us, he's made us true sons and daughters of his, calling us his own. He calls us his own. And it may go without saying, it, this, this just may go without saying, but I'm gonna say it anyway, okay? You ready? You listening? It may go without saying, but listen here. We are not alone in our adoption. Each one of us, believers, those who have, who have believed in the name of Jesus to save them, 
are called into this family of God and we exist in the family of God together. We share in our calling. We share in our adoption. We share in the family of God. So here's the implications of that. I know you may be wondering where we're going. Here's the implications of that. Here's what that does for us. Simple word, it unifies us as a people. It unifies us, it causes us to be unified in this family. What the gospel preaches, listen to this, what the gospel preaches is a common need that all of us have. It's a common need that all of us have. It strips back every layer of who we think we are and it shows us that at the core of who we are, we are in need of a savior. Every single one of us, okay, is in need of a savior. But that actually isn't what, isn't what unifies us, right? Our need is not what unifies us. If our need is what unifies us, then we'd be unified with the whole world. But that's, this goes deeper here. What unifies us, church, believers, is our adoption. What unifies us is that we are no longer in need of that because we have been adopted in. The price has been paid for us. This is what unifies us, that we could do nothing to earn this grace. That you and I were dead in our trespasses. That you and I were lost. And we're gonna get more into that in a second. Um, we're gonna get more into to, to, to what we believe and, and everything. But, but for right now, what I want us to see is that our shared salvation and adoption puts us on level ground with one another, okay? We are all on level ground, church. No one stands higher, no one stands lower. I've heard it said, and maybe you've heard it as well, at the foot of the cross, the ground is level, right? We're all in need of the Savior. And because we have been adopted in, Christ has made us his own, equals in the family of God. Make sense? Okay. Because it needs to make sense for where we're going here, okay? We all stand on level ground at the foot of the cross. We all have nothing without the sacrifice of Jesus and a loving father who chose to call us into his family. We're united by his adopting us. We share in our calling and we are on level ground with one another. I'm gonna say it one more time. We're on level ground with one another, okay? Because of what Jesus has done for each of us. Great place to be in, wonderful place to be in. Here's why I want us to grasp that though. Knowing this, knowing this truth that we are all equals here among one another as adopted children of God, knowing this, it carries great weight and should shape how we actually walk in our calling, how we are to walk and live in our calling, how we conduct our lives, especially with those in the household of faith, right? Especially among one another. In this passage, I love this passage um, because it gives us instruction on how we are to walk in a manner worthy of our calling and in unity with one another. Let's, hey, turn back to, to, to Ephesians 4. Let's read, let's read this again together. I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond 
of peace. This is how Paul lays out and scripture lays out for us how we are to walk in unity with one another. How we are to live amongst outsiders, but especially within the household of faith. So let's go through this real quick. You ready? Let's go through what what Paul gives us and how to walk. He says this, he says, walk in all humility. Walk in all humility. What what comes to your mind when you hear humility? Can I tell you what, what Paul is saying Right here, I love this. In our, in our sermon study group, someone brought this up. What Paul is saying here is actually talking about a lowliness of mind. He's talking about a lowliness of mind. Putting the opinions, here's how this plays out with us, putting the opinions and betterment of others ahead of ourselves and our own opinions. It means killing our pride, knowing that as adopted people, we have no room for pride, right? Level ground. We have no room for pride here. We walk in humility with one another, actually lifting one another up, pointing one another back to the cross, walking in humility, knowing that I am not better than you and you are not better than me, I, I, me, I think. Um, You are not better than me. Hey, we're on level ground here. Humility has to play a part in how we walk with one another here. It has to, and where we are at in Christ should shape us in that way. So, how are you doing with humility in your walk? Ask yourself that. Ask God that to reveal to you. He also says this, he says, walk in gentleness. Walk in gentleness. And now that doesn't mean like carrying a baby down the hallway and being gentle. What what that's talking about here is, is walk in meekness with one another. Matthew Henry, I don't know if anybody's ever read Matthew Henry. Um, he's a commentator. Um, his stuff is free online. It's good stuff. He chases a lot of rabbits, goes a lot of places, but he's good. He's a good guy um, in his commentary. So here's what Matthew Henry says about meekness. He says, it's not easily to be provoked or offended. Being meek with one another, not easily provoked or offended. It says this, it means this, being opposed to angry resentments and peevishness. I don't use that word very often, um, peevishness. But it's good here. We're opposed to resenting one another. We're not easily provoked into anger or easily offended with one another. Because again, where are we? Level ground. With one another, united by this. So walk in gentleness. I think it's pretty cool that the scripture says that Jesus was both gentle and lowly, gentle and humble. I don't think that's a coincidence. How are you doing with gentleness? How are you, how's your walk in gentleness right now with one another? He says this, walk in patience. Walk in patience. That's not something our society wants to hear, right? That's not something our Americanism wants to hear, right? Be patient, just wait. Hey, here's what I think patience does for us. Robbie and I were talking about this the other day. It it removes the tyranny of urgency within us. The tyranny of urgency in our lives when we're patient. It means this, it means denying our desire for quick progress in order to wait on one another. In order to wait 
on the direction of the spirit sometimes. You ever had somebody walk up to you and ask you a question and you've had to retreat and say, I just, I, I gotta pray about this because I don't know what to do. I can't answer you right now. I gotta seek the Lord in this. Hey, patience should drive us to seeking out what the spirit desires in our lives, to listening to the spirit. It should drive us into the word. Patience does this in our life. It causes us to trust in the power and sovereignty of an all-powerful, loving God and not our own will. This is what patience should be doing in us. So, how are you doing? How are you doing with patience? Are you walking in it? Are you walking in it with one another? Patiently waiting on one another, not seeking our own desires. How are you doing? Oh, don't you just love this next one? Maybe you don't love this next one. It's like, can we just skip this next one? Please, we can't. Scripture says it. We can't skip it. It's there. It's for us. It's good. It's edifying. Bearing with one another in love. Bearing with one another in love. I don't know what comes to mind when you hear that, um, but, 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 but simply put, this is loving each other despite our conflicts. Loving each other despite our personal differences. Loving each other when we are annoyed with one another. <laughs> Anybody ever been annoyed with someone in this room? We're not going to stand up and give testimony to that right now. Um, hey, when we're in a family, uh, that kind of naturally happens, right? When we rub shoulders with one another, uh, annoyances and conflict and, and differences rise to the surface, right? It's, it's, it's natural for that to happen, I think, because of who we are as sinful people. But Paul says here, walk. Walk in bearing with one another in love. I read, I read a commentary that said this is basically saying put up with one another in love. <laughs> put up with one another. My wife puts up with me. Can you put up with me too, please? Um, we, bear with, we bear with one another. We put up with one another, not just so we can get to the next day, but because we love one another. Because of the love that's been given to us, we are now able to walk with one another, putting up with one another in love, saying, yes, you annoy me sometimes, but I love you. Yeah, we have a difference in opinion here, but man, I love you. I'm gonna walk with you. That's what, that's what this does. It's what the gospel does to us. That's what walking in unity, walking in the manner of our calling does to us and in us. It changes us. It changes our motives. changes what we do. How are you doing with bearing with one another? Are you bearing with one another? Do you love one another enough to do that? I hope so. I think so. Can I tell you, let me step out for a second. I see this here. This is not, can I tell you, this is not a sermon of conviction, hopefully for everybody. This is hopefully a, a message of encouragement as well because I see you all bearing with one another in love. Can't see your hearts, but I see the fruit of what happens out of this, okay? I see this in our church. I see patience happening. I see humility happening. I see gentleness happening. And I'm amazed by it, by the work that God is doing within our church not that we're some special group of people, but we are called out and I'm kind of encourage you that you are doing it. And maybe that's why Paul goes into this next part here. 
he sums up the walk with this. Eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. Eager to maintain. Ah, that's a good wording, right? I think I like other translations wording better though. If you've got a KJV, um, I think the NASB may say this as well. Um, it, It says this, endeavoring to maintain. Endeavoring, that's got a little bit more punch to it, right? A little bit more action to it. Endeavor. That means be diligent. Be diligent to keep this unity, church. Be diligent to maintain it. Now, notice it doesn't say create, right? Don't create unity. We've already established that we're on level ground. We don't create unity. Who creates unity for us? God the Father. And Jesus, through the peace that he gave us, that he brought to us, they are the ones that create unity. But there seems to be Instruction for us to do some work here, right? Among one another. Maintenance. <laughs> the unity's there, but, but maintenance needs to happen, right? Walking needs to happen. These are action verbs. Here. These are not passive states of mind. Church, this is something that in our calling, we've been called to do is to maintain this unity in the spirit of the bond of peace, Endeavor in it, be diligent, work hard at this because it's worth it because of the love we've been given, because of who we are, because of who we've been called to be. We maintain it. We at least are diligent and endeavor to maintain it. We're not gonna, we're not gonna preach, like I said, the whole book, but, but if you would look over at Ephesians 4.32, I love, this is, this is a verse that's been in our home for the past several months um, Paul, Paul sums up this chapter like this, and I think it gives good, good meaning to what we're, what we're trying to do here. He says this in, in 432, he says, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. That's just the, man, can I just point that verse? That's a good verse to keep in your heart. Meditate on that, turn it over. Know that it has implications for how we live with one another in the church. Okay, forgiving one another, be kind to one another. This is endeavoring to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace, amen? Okay, Um, so when Paul talks about walking in a manner worthy of our calling and maintaining the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace, he's talking about action. Walking, I already said this, walking and maintaining are not passive states. That's what happens when you get ahead of yourself in your notes then you start to read over it again. Uh, listen to this. I think, I think we can look back at the early church. If you want to turn to Acts 2, um, you're welcome to do this. Some of you may know this, this passage already. Uh, Acts 2. Here's, here's how I think we can see this really, really played out in its rad- most radical form. Acts 2, starting in verse 42, it says this. This is the early church. This is after thousands just came to Christ, after hearing the sermon from Peter at Pentecost. This is what the first church looked like. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and prayers and awe came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds, the proceeds to all as any has need. 
And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. I don't miss this, church. Don't miss this. How you walk, how we walk, affects our unity among one another. Did you see that in the, in the first church? What they were doing, loving one another, giving up themselves, giving up their things for one another. This has great implications and affects our unity within the church. But you see what it also does here from Acts 2? It affects our mission as well. What these people were doing affected their mission in evangelization. So, and just to kind of conclude with this, so walk in humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with one another and love. And whether you really know it or not, church, individuals in this church, you have a responsibility as a child of God in how you walk. And whether you know it or not, how you walk and live affects, ready? This body of believers right here who you've made ties with here. How you walk affects your relationship here. How you walk affects one another. So walk in a manner, in a manner worthy of your calling. Again, we're not covering all of Ephesians 4. Maybe I should have just preached all of Ephesians 4. Maybe we should have done that. Look with, look with me in, uh, in verse 15 and 16 real quick. This is concerning the body of Christ. It says, rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. You have a responsibility and I know I just said that. I'm going to say it again. You have a responsibility. Walk in love with one another. Because when we do, we are building up the body of Christ. It bears fruit. It bears fruit. How we live and how we love one another matters. So let's do the work, church, okay? Let's do the work that God has so generously entrusted us to do. And thankfully, we don't have to walk aimlessly, right? We don't walk aimlessly. Our walk and endeavoring to maintain, to maintain this is best seen in the life and work of Jesus, who is gentle and lowly, patient with us, bears in love. We look to him, the perfect son of God, who not only came in peace, but came to make peace and is our peace. He is our example in this. And it's hard work, yeah? It's hard work sometimes, to always act like this, to always be like this, to walk like this. And it may seem next to impossible sometimes to walk in this way. Um, and it might be hard to always remember why. Um, but can I, can I close here in just a little bit with, with um, why we can and why we should walk in unity and maintain this unity, okay? This last portion that we're gonna read here together 
it talks about this. It says that we can endeavor together to maintain this unity and walk together in unity because of what we are unified under and standing firm on. Something far greater, far more powerful than anything else that could unite us or divide us. So let's read this, four through six. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. We are united by this. We are unified. We are united. I don't know if unified, united, I don't know what the difference it is. We are unified by our common confession in one faith. Even though our walk and our calling, okay, church, even though our walk and our calling may be shaky at moments, which it is, right? We're not all perfect at this. We're shaky at moments. And though our maintaining unity among one another can be difficult, the foundation on which we walk is solid. It's rock solid. It's not shaking. I think we can look at many examples throughout history of different communities, different kingdoms, different empires who had uh, common, common goals maybe, um, common, common direction, um, common beliefs, common ambitions. But in every one of these groups, every one of these countries, empires, whatever, you can look throughout history, there's always disunity at some point or another. And again, we see kingdoms rise and fall over and over again, right? What we think is a great nation false. They think they're unified by a common goal that's going to maintain their unity, right? But it falls. So what separates us, church? What separates the people of God? What separates us from all these other communities and kingdoms? And it may be a simple statement for us in the church, but nonetheless, it's, it's, it's of extreme importance and power in our lives. We confess and believe in the one true God. This is our confession. That we follow and trust and live our lives in accordance with the one true God. Hey, at our, at our men's breakfast yesterday, um, Jordan Moore was actually teaching us um, in the book of Exodus. Uh, you know, when God speaks um, through the burning bush to Moses, you know that story? And Moses says, hey, God, I'm going back to the people, but who should I tell him sent me? And what does God say? He says, I am that I am. In Hebrew, Yahweh. One of those words that they couldn't really hardly define. It just tried to mash everything that is God into one word and explain the magnificence of him. But he says, I am that I am. Simply meaning this. I love how Jordan put this yesterday. I am existence. (laughs) I am before and I am after. I am alpha, I am omega. I am beginning and end. I always have and I always will be. We're unified by this and confess that we believe in the one true God who has not been created by anybody and will always be here He is existence. This is what our foundation is in. He's not shaken. He's not unsturdy. He's solid. He was before time and he'll be here long after. This is what our confession is in. 
And here's what we believe about God. And this is, Paul lays it out really simply here. We believe this, that we are unified in the body of Christ, who's the son of God. We're unified by the spirit of God living in us and working through us. We have a unified hope in the person and work of the son of God, Jesus. We serve one master, our Lord, God. We share in one faith, the truth of God and the gospel of Jesus. And we are baptized in the name of God, the Trinity, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And we've been adopted by one God and, and Father. In short, we have a shared gospel confession. We believe that God the Father sent his one and only son to live and die for us. This is our faith. This is what we confess. And we believe that God has given us his spirit to dwell in us, within us, enabling us to walk in the manner of, of which we have been called. That's what the spirit does in us. And it's a confession that does not rest on the shoulders of broken and flawed people. Broken and flawed people, does that sound familiar? Us? It doesn't rest on us. No, our confession church is on one sure foundation. And in this, we submit to, hope in, and put our faith in the one true God. This church, this, our confession, is how we are able to maintain the unity of the spirit because we have the spirit of God working in and through us. And we can walk in a manner worthy of our calling and adoption, looking to Jesus who is the perfect example who is the author and perfecter of our faith. So church, doing well, maintain the spirit of unity and the bond of peace. Let's get at it, right? Let's do the work because we stand on something far greater than anything we have to begin with, amen? A God who loves us, who gave his son for us and reigns eternally, amen? Let's pray, to, let's pray together. Father, Father, we know that, that the church is something that you have built. Um, we hold our hands open to you because we know that our unity, if left up to us, is fragile. But you are not. You are not fragile, God. God, you are strong, a sure foundation for us to stand on. So Father, above all else, would you set our feet on this foundation, would you remind us, would you teach us that our calling is something that you've done for us? God, what you called us to and to love one another is a calling that you've given us. God, all this comes back to you and we give you honor and praise and we glorify you for this, not of our own doing, but only of yours. We trust that, we believe it, we confess it, Father. It's in Jesus' name that we pray.